Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about the difficulties of buying a home, especially for first-time home buyers right now. The market is just a little upended. Things are leveling out slightly, but not enough, I think, first-time home buyers. So joining me today is Kara Loftus. She is the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. So welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you and welcome. I appreciate you allowing me to join, Heather. I am really big on trying to help people afford homes. And right now, whether you're renting or you're buying, it is just, it is not affordable. It's not. So do you even have people who've never owned a home before actually getting approved for loans? We do. We actually are doing quite a few first-time home buyer loans right now for members it's there are several options that they can look at and if one meets their needs and fits their budget we love to help first time home buyers well one of the things i i recently uh, purchased a new home it was before <laughs> the pandemic so i kind of got in before the interest rate before the interest rate started rising there were so few houses on the market that a whole bunch of people were bidding for one house. And so then you got into those bidding wars and the people that had cash available, they just went, I've got all the cash and, you know, I'll buy the home. So it really outpriced people very, very quickly. And I was lucky to get in before that. But the only reason I could even afford the home I'm in now is because I sold a different home. I had a bunch of equity that I had in that home. So when I sold it, I had a nice, hefty down payment. But first-time home buyers, they don't have that luxury of coming in with a bunch of equity from a previous home. So how are they able to get into a home with a decent enough down payment? You are very lucky to have a large down payment. That's a great thing if you can do that. But like you mentioned, Heather, first-time homebuyers do not have the ability to have large down payments. So as a first-time homebuyer, they need to look for loan programs that will allow them to finance up to 100%. They can also look for, there are some agencies out there that offer grants for down payments. 
And those are great options. They do come with some restrictions that typically the home price or your income, your credit score, things of that sort. But there are options out there that will allow first-time home buyers to get into a home with little or no down payment, or they can access grants. I think sometimes first-time home buyers forget to maybe even ask family members for gift money because that's always an option. You might have a family member that's willing to give you some money that you can use for a down payment or pay for closing costs. And that's a great option too. Okay. When you talk about the gifting, that Mm -hmm. actually has tax implications. So if if a family member is gifting you a large amount of money, you have to have a, a bunch of paperwork signed saying this is a gift. They do not have to pay taxes on it, things like that. But they're on, they can only give, I think it's 14,000 per year to somebody to gift without the person getting that 14,000 having to pay taxes. Yeah. If you are looking at getting a gift or gifting money, I would definitely encourage you to tax, to visit with a tax consultant who can answer those questions and give you all the ins and outs of the tax side. That's not an area of my expertise. So you would definitely want to talk to a tax consultant. Okay. Now in 2008, we had the great recession as they called it, but it started because the housing bubble burst. But part of that happened, this bubble happened because loans were being given, no down payment needed, and they were being given to people who couldn't actually technically afford the mortgage payments. So while, especially right now, I think it's great that there are loans out there that you can do that don't require a down payment. Aren't we setting ourselves up for another housing bubble if we do that? We're not. It's very, it's a very different time right now than it was in 2008 and 2009. Like you mentioned, the lending guidelines were much more relaxed at that time. There were lenders that were doing loans based on your credit score or your assets. There wasn't um, the ability to repay. And now the lending guidelines are very different. They're much more stringent, as well as we have a lot less inventory And so based on those things, they don't anticipate a housing bubble like we saw in 2008. So it's it's a much better time. Okay. I just wanted to clear a couple of those things up before people started like, woohoo, 100% (laughs) financing. Woo. Um, Okay. Uh, But it's always a, a good idea to try to come up with a minimal amount, you know, just as much as you can, even if that's a small amount down payment or even something that will pay all your fees. Correct. If you have the ability to have a down payment, you're going to get a better interest rate because typically interest rates are based on the risk of the loan. And anytime you're going to borrow a hundred percent, the risk from the lender is going to be higher. And so your interest rate will be slightly higher as well. So if you have money for a down payment, you're going to be in a, in a better situation because you're going to get a lower interest rate and um, have a lower payment overall. And then there's all these fees, which a lot of people don't take into account. If I'm going to buy, I'm just going to make this really easy. If I'm going to buy a $500,000 home and have it financed 100%, there's an origination fee and the paperwork fee and the, I mean, there's, I cannot remember how many line itemizations when I got my loan. I'm like, what is this? But it all came to $5,200. So if you do a 100% loan, 
mm-hmm. where you you borrow 100% of that $500,000, you actually have to add another 5,200-ish on top of that that you have to pay back. And now you're paying interest on $5,000 that isn't even attached to the house. It's just the fees that the the loan and the bank charge you. Well, surprisingly, not very many loan programs will allow you to finance the closing costs. So that is something that the home buyer does have to pay out of pocket. It's not financed into the mortgage loan. In some Sometimes sellers are willing to pay for closing costs. It's not happening right now, but before the pandemic, sellers were willing to pay your closing costs, and that was a great incentive. Um, We're not seeing that as often on contracts typically now, but we may get to that. But unfortunately, buyers do have to pay their own closing costs. They cannot be financed into the mortgage. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll backtrack a little bit and go back to, okay, I'm a first-time home buyer. What do I got to do? So we'll be right back with Kara Loftus. She is the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about some of the hurdles that first-time home buyers may be facing. Joining me today is Kara Loftus. She is the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. All right, Kara, I got us into the weeds there talking about closing costs, but it is important to for people to understand there are closing costs, which if you're a first-time home buyer you just may not be aware of that. And maybe you saved up just enough money for an okay down payment, but it didn't include those closing costs. So now you have to reduce the amount of your down payment to pay for the closing costs. So I just wanted to make sure buyers understood that. But let's go back to, first of all, like what is the definition of a first time home buyer? It's somebody who's never bought a home before ever, right? That's a great definition. Well, let's see. A first-time home buyer, obviously, is someone who has not owned a home previously. But if you have not owned a home for the previous three calendar years, so you've owned a home four years ago, five years ago, or further in the past, you actually will qualify as a first-time home buyer and can take advantage of those benefits. As as you look for loans, you might qualify for a loan that offers 100% financing. So check with your lender and ask those types of questions because you'll want to know what's out there and what's available to you as a first-time home buyer. I could see, so maybe I was in the military, like I owned a home and then I got transferred to another place. So I sold mine and I was overseas for three, four mm-hmm. years. So now I'm back in the States and it's been four years and I'm ready to settle down. I've retired from the military and now I want to to buy. Don't veterans have special... Uh, programs for for uh, buying a home? They absolutely do. If you are a veteran, there are programs available for you. And 
we appreciate their service and we want to pay them back and give those benefits. So the VA loan is a great option. It is one that allows the buyer to finance 100% regardless of how recently they've owned a home. So it is a good program for the veterans. And unfortunately, some veterans are not familiar with that. So they need to ask questions and be informed about it. Okay. Well, when you're saying they need to ask questions, I don't disagree at all. Anybody mm-hmm. who's buying, a, you know, has a large purchase coming up, no matter what type it is, you should be asking every financial question under the sun that you can think of. Right. But if you're buying a home and you're at a lender, shouldn't the lender be asking those questions as well? Shouldn't they, they, shouldn't they be checked like, are you a veteran? Are you, you know, and is it yes. only veterans or is it anybody in the, currently in the military as well? It is anyone who is currently in the military or has served in the past and served long enough to receive a certificate of eligibility. They qualify for a VA loan. But going back to what you said, Heather, about the lender, you definitely want to work with a lender that knows their stuff. They need to ask you all those questions. Are you a veteran? Are you a first-time homebuyer? Do you have a down payment? Do you know where you want to purchase? Do you want to know how quickly you're looking to purchase? All of those questions are going to help you and the lender determine when the best time for you to buy it. So yes, you definitely look for the lender that is going to give you the best service and knows their products that can explain all of those different programs for you. Okay. Well, how do I know how much money I actually have to buy a home? I mean, if I just did the math on my own of my income, I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I can I can afford that $800,000 home down the street because I don't know any different and I want it. I want that $800,000 home. How, how do I not fall in love with it and make an offer on the home and then realize, oops, I can't actually afford it? And unfortunately, I have seen that happen. People, buyers get out and they look for a home and they find a home and they fall in love with it. And then they talk to a lender and they don't qualify. No one wants to have that happen. That is not fun. So before you even start thinking about looking at a home or deciding what price range you're in, again, you will want to contact a lender. You can do a pre-approval. The pre-approval typically will include having your credit report pulled because we'll need to know what your credit score is and then obtaining income documentation. And then we look at your liabilities to determine how much of a payment you qualify for. And based on that, the lender will be able to tell you a price range that you can look in. I also encourage people not to buy a home at their maximum amount that they qualify for, Mm -hmm. because once you buy a house, first time buyers, especially don't realize all the other things that come with a house. So you want to be prepared for the future as well. Yeah. So I'm going to use me as an example, since I recently purchased this home, it was right before the pandemic, but I qualified for three, a $325,000 home that was given the, I wasn't exactly sure at the time how much my home would sell for, but I figured I'd have 50% of what I took from that house for my down payment because the other part had to go pay the the realtors, you know, their um, commissions. I know I needed new furniture. You know, there was a few things. So I set aside some proceeds out of my the first sale of my home. 
But given how much I thought I was going to have for the down payment and my salary and my credit score, I was told I qualified for $325,000. I did not look for a home that was over three hundred. I refused to do that because having been in the previous home, every single year, my property mm-hmm. taxes went up. So yeah. you may think, oh, I'm getting a mortgage and my payment is going to be $1,000 a month that first year. Yeah, until the next year's property taxes come out and the government is constantly like, well, we need new roads. We need this, uh, you know, school voucher, you know, whatever it is. They put all those taxes on your property that you mm-hmm. pay for. So the second year you're in, you're, you might be paying $1,100. So if you already maxed yourself out when you very first bought that home, where are you going to go the f- second year? Yeah, you could be in trouble, right? Yeah. So, and most areas across the nation have seen an increase in property taxes. So that's one way your payment can increase. The other way your payment can increase is if your homeowner's insurance goes up. And if that goes up, that affects your monthly payment as well. Yeah. So you want to be cautious. And don't a lot of the loans now require you to show proof that you have homeowner's insurance? They do. They absolutely do. We want to make sure that you, that the home is insured because as a lender, we have an interest in that property and we want to make sure that if anything happens to it, burns down, whatever it might be, we want to know that it's going to be rebuilt. And you can get a a fairly good rate in property insurance rate through your own insurer, because if you don't, the the bank that you took the money out, they'll charge you like $1,500 a year. And trust me, you can get home insurance for like less than 500. Right. It's in your best interest to provide your own insurance. And and if you have automobile insurance and other types of insurance, check with your agent because you could bundle those and get a better price. All right. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll go over a few more tips that first-time home buyers may need to know about or or want to know about. So we'll be right back with Kara Loftus. She is the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about first-time home buyers and giving them some tips they may not know about or may need to look further into. Joining me today is Kara Loftus. She is the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. And in the break, we were just talking about the realtor fees, because I had mentioned that when I, you know, sold my home, I took part of the money for a down payment on my, on this new home. And then part of it I used to pay realtor fees. So how about home buyers? How much do they have to pay their realtor? Great question, Heather. What I really want to point out is as a first-time home buyer, you definitely want to use a realtor. They are going to be your biggest asset and advocate. As the buyer, they do not pay any of the commission to the agent. All that commission is paid through the seller's fees. So it's so advantageous for a buyer to use a realtor. They can help narrow their search, look for the right property in the right area, in the right price. It'll save them a lot of time and a lot of headache. 
Yeah. And things come up in negotiations. You may want the washer dryer that's in that house because you don't have one. You're a first time home buyer. You've never had to have your own washer dryer. And the sellers are like, no, we're taking that with us. But the realtors can negotiate stuff that, you know, just ask for it. I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is they say no, and you don't have something you don't have anyway. But sometimes you'd be really surprised. You you would. And Typically, the, the, the average consumer isn't versed in negotiations, right? That's not our level of expertise. But your agent, they do that all day long. That's their level of expertise. So allow them to help you with that, whether it's a lower price or items in the home, like you mentioned, that you want to keep, they can do that for you. So what are some other things that um, first-time home buyers should be aware of, especially with their finances? Like we've talked about, make sure you're pre-qualified, make sure you know exactly how much you can afford and don't buy the max of what you can afford. Just trust us. Right. <laughs> those of us who've made those mistakes, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to make those mistakes, right? Um, I think that we mentioned this just a little bit as well, but when you buy a home, there's other monthly obligations that come up that I think people sometimes overlook or forget. And in not purchasing at your very max, this is going to allow you to still be able to make those other obligations, whether it's, you know, do I want to have an internet connection at my house? People might not realize that. And then you're going to have utilities. You could ask the seller or you can ask the realtor. They can give you an idea of what those might be. But there's other things that come up that you're going to want to be aware of so that you can still have those necessities in your life and not feel so house-strapped for that payment. Yeah. And it also depends on what type of neighborhood you move into. Some of the neighborhoods have an HOA. And so there's an HOA fee as well. But those HOA fees, sometimes they pay for your garbage pickup. Sometimes they don't. So if they don't, you have to pay the garbage. And maybe you move into an area that doesn't have an HOA. That means you're paying for your water, your garbage, your electricity, your gas, all of that. I lived in a HOA previously that paid water and garbage. And now I'm in an HOA that only pays garbage. But they also shovel my walkway in the winter and they mow the lawn. So I don't have to do that myself. And I don't have to pay for somebody. Well, I'm essentially paying for it in my HOA fees. But, you know, if you're the type of person who doesn't do any yard work, you've always hired people to do it. You know, you can look at that as part of those expenses. That's part of the HOA. Yeah, that could definitely be an expense. And that's something that you'll want to consider when you look at purchasing a home as well. Because like you mentioned, Heather, if you purchase a home in an HOA, Maybe you don't have time to do the yard work or you don't like doing yard work. You may want to look for a home that has an HOA that takes care of that. If you're someone that loves to do yard work, it's not me, but there are people out there, then you'll want to look for a home in an area where you'll have that opportunity to do the yard work. Right. But it can come as a shock. I mean, some of the HOA fees are exorbitant at this point. You know, maybe you qualify for that $500,000 house and you found one that you that you like. And the mortgage is, again, let's just call it $1,000 for easy math. But guess what? Your HOA is $325. So now you're paying $1,325. And if you could barely afford the $1,000 mortgage, you're not going to be able to afford the additional $325 for the HOA as well. Right. And luckily, when you speak to your lender and you work on getting pre-approved, 
they should ask if, if you're anticipating an HOA fee, because as a lender, we include that HOA fee into that monthly payment into your total debt to income ratio, because we want to make sure you're going to be able to make that payment as well as your mortgage payment. I know every all the loans are different and every bank does it differently. But with Mountain America Credit Union, do you wrap the home insurance fee into the mortgage and then you pay the insurance company yourself? We do typically. If someone has a down payment that's 20% or greater, we do allow the home buyer to pay their own homeowner's insurance and their own property tax. But if their down payment is less than 20%, we do require those to be included in the monthly payment. Okay. I wondered why that switched on me because, Mm -hmm. oh, and just for, so listeners know, I do not bank through Mountain America Credit Union. There's not a connection in that way on this. But when I had my previous mortgage on the old home, that bank paid my home insurance for me. Like part of my mortgage payment included the home insurance and then Mm -hmm. the bank paid the insurance company. When I moved here, I guess it's because I had the 50% down payment. And I remember filling that out. They're like, do you want us to pay your insurance or do you want to do it? And I'm a control freak. And I'm like, I am paying my home insurance. (laughs) I do not want a second, like a third party involved. So that was kind of nice for me. Good for you. And most lenders are pretty standard that way, that if it's less than 20%, then they will want to make those payments. And I, home buyers may not know this, but if your property taxes are not paid, that lien can trump the deed for your mortgage. And so a lender never wants to be behind a property tax that hasn't been paid. Right. That's one of the reasons. Right. And that's why when you get your mortgage statement for first time home buyers, when you get your mortgage statement, your first mm-hmm. one, it's going to show how much your the balance of your actual loan is, then how much interest you have to pay because mm-hmm. the interest is on top of, you know, if you borrow $400,000 for this $500,000 home, you have to pay off the 400000 plus you have to pay the interest that the because the bank is loaning. But then there's this separate little category called escrow. Mm-hmm. And escrow is extra money that's put in because the bank will then at the end of the year pay your property taxes for you. Correct. Yep, yeah. That's exactly how it works. And so taxes, depending on where you live, which state, they could be due once a year. Sometimes they're due twice a year and sometimes they're done quarterly. So depending on how often those are paid, your lender will collect those all year long, set those in almost like a little forced savings account that we collect money every month. And then we use those funds to pay your property taxes when they're due, as well as the homeowner's insurance, which is typically once a year. All right. Any other tips that you can suggest for first home, especially first of all, in this market with the home prices, they they are ridiculous. People are paying way too much for houses. They just are. And it's unfortunate that there are people who can actually afford that, not usually the first time home buyers, but there are enough people out there who can still afford to just outbid everybody. And so the prices go up and I feel it's, it's a crime. I truly do feel that that is a crime. Now, those prices are starting to level out now. They are. So I don't think they'll come down significantly in the next two years, most likely, maybe, hopefully, 
after another year and a half to two years, we might actually see a, a better decline in the prices. But unfortunately, now you're also dealing with the rising interest rates. And the Fed has said for the next year, they are going to continue raising interest rates. They are. So for first-time home buyers, they are really, really hurt, which is why this episode I'm trying to gear more toward the first-time home buyers. So what are some other tips you would have for them to help them get into a home? Home affordability is a very big issue right now. It, and it is based on values of home and homes increasing, interest rates increasing. So as a first-time home buyer, I would encourage people to know their budget, know what they're comfortable paying, speak to a lender that's going to be able to meet your needs, give you the options that are available, allow you to look for those types of homes. And if now is not the time to buy a home, then wait. We don't anticipate values are going to really take a decrease and rates aren't going to decrease it. They're going to kind of stabilize for a little bit. So if you need to take a little break now, do that. Save up a little more money so that you'll have a larger down payment. Um, but don't don't get into a home that is more than you want to afford. I think that's the main thing right now. It's not what you can afford for a first-time home buyer. It's what you want to afford. So work with a lender, determine what that amount is. And there's a few more homes on the market now than there were recently. So it's a great time to start looking. And if I do want to pre-qualify with like mm-hmm. with you, Mountain America, is there a fee to, to get a pre-qualification? There is not. There's not a fee to do a pre-qualification. And like I mentioned earlier, it does entail gathering your income documents and pulling your credit. So we know your credit score. But it's a wise decision is to get pre, pre-approved, like you had mentioned earlier too, Heather. You don't want to get out, look for a home, fall in love with something, and then find out you can't afford it. No one wants to go down down that road. Yeah. So and, definitely get pre-approved. And especially in this market now, a lot of sellers, or at least their realtor agents, are going to cast a better light on the person who's already pre-qualified. Most buyers won't yeah. even let you look at their home unless you have a pre-approval letter. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is a way to get you in the door just to start looking in this market, especially because nobody wants to go through the seller doesn't want to go through this. And you, particularly if you're buying, not even about falling in love with the house and go, I've got to have it because it's a long process. When you make a bid on a home, it takes a couple of weeks before a lot of times you figure out, oops, I can't afford it. Now you're two weeks in, the sellers got their hopes up, they're packing boxes and they're out (laughs) the door. And then all of a sudden it falls through. It's not good on either side. No, it's not a good experience for anyone. So getting pre-approved in the beginning is going to save that time. And typically lenders right now can close a loan in less than four weeks. Four weeks or less is usually about the time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, because at the peak during the pandemic, when there were all those, well, it was like eight weeks because there were so many people buying. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. That's one good thing. Yeah. All right. So Kara, is Mountain America Credit Union, are they nationwide or only in the Mountain West? We are more in the Mountain West. Okay. We have branches in six states in the, the West, and we do lending in 10 states. So people can just Google is it macu.com or exactly yes you can go to macu.com and we have an online application that people can fill out if that's what they're interested in or they can call in and chat with someone or make an appointment as well 
All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carol Loftus. Again, you're the Vice President of Mortgage Services at Mountain America Credit Union. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.